Good morning, everyone. Good to see you at Woodburn Baptist Church. My name is Tim Harris. I'm the pastor. Great to have you this morning. Are you feeling good? Yeah, good, good. Open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3 as we celebrate this morning what it means to be the church. Still in the middle of a message series entitled Forever Young. I'm speaking to, for, and about youth. And so you have come to the right place. Woodburn Baptist Church is a very unique church, and I love this church. Not because I'm the pastor. I would choose this church out of a million because of the wonderful way I think we embody what it means to be the church. Notice our our purpose statement on the front of the bulletin. Every single week it says, Woodburn Baptist Church is a family, a family of Christians. We uh, put that purpose statement together several years ago as a way of trying to articulate what we feel like God has called us to be. And we feel like family is a word that captures that, probably as good as any word can possibly capture it, but family. The important thing about family is that a family always somehow involves a, a multitude of generations. In a family, you've got children, you've got growing children, you have teenagers, you've got young adults, you've got parents, grandparents. Uh, it's a circle of relationship, and it's a rather wonderful thing. And that is also what the church is. The church is a family, and we involve every single member of the family here at Woodburn Baptist Church. We've always been that way. It's part of what makes us weird, and I love it. If you've ever been a part of Woodburn and then lived at another place and had to find another church to take the place of of Woodburn Baptist, you probably found it difficult. And I would say one of the things you would miss if you left here is the wonderful way that older folks and young people relate in, in our church. It's wonderful, but it happens here. I don't know exactly why. I don't know what the chemistry is that makes us love each other the way we do, but we just do. Now, it's not always love at first sight. I I recognize that. Sometimes we look at one another as as old and and young, and we don't always get each other. Sometimes the youth are looking at the little blue-haired lady with that thick black mustache and the goiter. You're looking at the old lady out there, and she's in the parking lot pulling her car up on the curb, and you just think, my goodness, Lord, help her. Help her, Lord. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? You look at the older folks and just don't understand why the old men pull their pants up to here. You don't understand that. You just don't go up and pull them down a little bit, adjust the pants. You know what I'm talking about? You look at the old folks and you just don't always get them. You just don't understand why they are the way they are. And that older folks, it goes both ways now, don't it? You see those young guys coming in with their pants hanging down here and you want to pull them up. Pull them up. I have to tell Warren that every week. Warren, we don't want to look at that. Pull them up. Pull them up. Absolutely. You look at the young people coming in with, with, with weird things pierced. They got a piercing right in the middle of their tongue, and it makes them talk funny. And you think, why? Why? And you see the colors of hair, and you see the piercings, and you see the tattoos, and you think, Lord, I hope I don't even live to see what comes next. It's not always love at first sight, but just like any other family, we don't necessarily get to choose each other. You don't choose your family. You're sort of obligated at birth. And honestly, that's how it is in the body of Christ. As a church family, we don't choose one another. Christ chooses us. Christ chooses us. Therefore, we become obligated to one another. But more than that, we're obligated, but there's also the opportunity by loving choice to be a part of one another's lives. And in this congregation, for over 140 years, that's what we've done. 
The older folks simply have an expectation that they will know and learn to love the young folks. And the young folks will be blessed to have the older folks in our congregation, to know them, to love them, to have them adopt you as grandchildren. It's a wonderful thing. It's called the church, and that's what Christ has called us to be. I want us to look this morning at three passages that will help us understand what it means to be the church and what it means to be old and young inside the body of Christ. Open first to Galatians chapter 3. Take out a pen this morning, if you would, and underline these verses. Important verses for the church. Galatians chapter 3. Verse 26. We've already read this at one moment in worship this morning, but I want you to hear it again. Galatians 3, verse 26. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. For you are all, say it with me, one in Christ Jesus. You are all one in Christ Jesus. It's a very, very critical verse for understanding what Christ has done and what Christ wants for us. There is no longer, the scripture says, Jew or, or Gentile. Now, in the Jewish mind, there are only two categories of people, those who are Jews and those who are not, the Jews and the Gentiles, everybody else. It's a way of thinking about race, and for the Jews, there are only two races, themselves and those who are not themselves. But Paul says here, very, very importantly, in Christ now, you can't divide yourselves off racially. It makes no sense. Those distinctions don't hold. This is one of the primary reasons as we launch a new campus in Franklin, our desire is to launch a multiracial congregation. We feel that this is very, very important. Important, not in any way to be politically correct, not in any way to try to be hip with the times. We want to be hip with the Bible. Do you understand what I'm saying? We want to be hip with what the Bible says. And the Bible says in the body of Christ, there is no use in making distinctions according to race. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to God, and so it's not going to matter to us. There is no racial distinction anymore. We have the blood of Jesus coursing through our veins as believers. And because of the blood of Christ, we are one. We are one. And therefore, anything you can think of to divide us, it simply does not hold. There is no racial distinction that, that, that matters. No Jew, no Gentile, no slave or free. These are social distinctions, slave and free. It does not matter your status in society. It doesn't matter what you do out there. It doesn't matter how much money you make or what your title is. It doesn't matter who bosses you around out there. In the body of Christ, those things don't matter anymore. The ground at the foot of the cross is level, and we all look each other straight in the eye and no one is higher and no one is lower we are all one in Christ Jesus there are no distinctions that matter anymore not even male and female the scripture says plain as a nose on your face it just doesn't make any sense to to make distinctions between men and women in the body of Christ because we are one all one in the body of Christ it's a marvelous thing and if none of those distinctions matter, then I promise you the distinction between older and younger doesn't matter. It does not matter. 
It doesn't matter who is older. It doesn't matter who's been in this church the longest. It doesn't matter who was born yesterday. As a matter of fact, who was born yesterday is Aaron James Oliver, Nick, Nick and Amy's baby boy. Seven pounds, one ounce. He's 52 inches long. Just kidding. I was thinking that Nick Oliver's baby would be really long. But he's actually a beautiful, beautiful baby boy, and he's brand new. But we will welcome him into the body of Christ. And when the day comes when A.J. Oliver confesses Christ with his own mouth, he will belong to us. He'll be a part of this family, a full-fledged member when he becomes a member of Christ. Do you understand that? And it won't matter who's older. It won't matter who's been around longer. I'm telling you, those distinctions don't matter or at least they're not supposed to. I read recently that throughout church history, the majority of conflicts within the church, conflicts within the church, the majority of them, one person said, are based on about 10% doctrinal differences. 10% doctrinal difference, 90% generational difference. Think about it. All the conflicts in the church, all the conflicts you've ever lived through, just think about them. They may have been about 10% doctrinal. In other words, when it comes to agreeing or disagreeing about the Bible, the conflict you were having probably very little to do with Scripture, 10% maybe. 90% probably had to do with the preferences of the older folks buttoned up against the preferences of the younger folks. With that distinction, 10%, 90%, you can explain most of the conflicts in church history. That ought not be. If that is true, then it is a tragedy that that sort of thing could be true. We must never let age drive a wedge between us in the body of Christ. There are no distinctions that hold in the body of Christ. We are all one in Christ Jesus, the scripture says, Galatians chapter 3. Now flip back to the book of Joel, or if you're lazier, go to Acts chapter 2. You can find the same verse there. Acts 2, 17, or the book of Joel, it's on the screen. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Acts chapter 2 is where the prophecy from Joel comes to pass. Prophesying, talking about the age of the church coming. And this is what the word of God says. Read this with me. Then, after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. I love that. I love that. Talking about the age of the church. Talking about what God wants to do. And this part of the the, the prophecy is fulfilled at Pentecost. When God poured out his spirit upon the older people. Is that what it says? God poured out his spirit upon those with some seniority. Is that what it says? God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. All flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. This is not a side effect of Lipitor. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Why? Because of the spirit. The spirit. There is one Holy Spirit poured out equally upon every believer, equally. We are equally filled with the same Spirit, young and old alike. And I love that thought. 
I love that thought. The Spirit does not discriminate between older and younger. The church is the church, and it has old people and it has young people, but it is animated by the Spirit of God who stirs us into the life and power of the Spirit and stirs us to see things differently, to dream dreams and see visions together. I think that's thrilling. Hang on to that thought. As you flip back to one more scripture from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. Underline these verses as well, if you would. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. Won't you underline that twice? Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. In other words, this is not easy. In the church, in the body of Christ, it is not easy to stay united because you've got to understand all of the powers of hell are coming up against us to make us turn on one another. And all of our dysfunctional personalities, they all come together to drive wedges between us. We have to make every effort to keep ourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. One body, one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. Understand something. If you're taking notes, write this down. There is only one church. There is only one church. I'm not saying that that church is Woodburn Baptist Church. You've got to have a much bigger picture of what the church is. There is only one church, but we are it. There's one church, and we are it. Us, all of us together, we are the one church, and it is the church of today. There is only one church. It is the church of today. I know that there is a church of yesterday, but where is the church of yesterday? It is, say it with me, gone. The church of yesterday is gone. You cannot be a part of the church of yesterday. It's not an option. There's only one church. It is the church of today. But now there will be a church tomorrow. Lord willing, we hope that there will be a church of the future. Where is the church of the future? It's in the future. It's not here yet. We're not accepting any applications for membership in the church of the future. When anybody tells you, young people, that you're the church of the future, they're trying to rip you off. There is no church of the future. There's only one church. It is the church of, say it with me, today. The church of today. The Spirit of the Lord is working today. Yes, he worked yesterday. Yes, he'll work tomorrow. But our only real option is to be a part of what the Spirit wants to do today. There's only one church. You and I are a part of it. Every one of us together. And it's the church of today. Church of today. So what does that mean? First off, let's talk about the old folks. It means that the old folks are not the church of yesterday. The older folks are not the church of yesterday. They don't want to be, they don't need to be, and we don't want them to be because the church of yesterday is gone. 
Some of those days were glorious. A lot of the things that God has done in the past are wonderful, and we need to keep the memory alive for our children and for our children's children. They need to know what God has done in the past. But the reason they need to know is not so that they can try and live in the past, but so that they can see that God, the same God, will do things for them in the present. That's why the past is important. We learn what God has done in the past so that we can understand the possibility of what he will do in the present. There's only one church. It's the church of today. And old folks are not the church of yesterday. They're never the church of yesterday. The point is, throughout our lives, we're not always able to do the same thing that we did when we were younger. As we grow, our contribution to the body of Christ may change. Today, Owen Mefford played the offertory, I mean the the call to worship on the piano. He's a child. It was wonderful. Y'all clapped too early. But it it, it was wonderful. As Owen grows, as any of our children grow, their contributions to the church will change. Just like throughout your life, as an older person, you have had different seasons of life when you were able to serve and do different things. But you must find out what the Spirit is calling you to do today. You have to find out what your contribution is today. Because you are a very, very important part of the church today. Let's talk about two things. The worst things that could possibly happen for our older folks in the church. The worst things, I'm going to give you two. Number one, if old folks trade dreams for flashbacks. Remember what what the scripture says in the book of Joel. Your old men will do what? Dream dreams. It's a horrible tragedy when our old men and women no longer want to dream dreams. They just want to have flashbacks. Now what am I saying? What's the difference between a dream and a flashback? A dream is from the spirit. A dream is is a picture of what the Spirit wants to do now and in the future. A dream is God's wrapping his arms around you and giving you new energy and a new picture of what God can do through you today and tomorrow. That's the dream that the Spirit gives, and it's magnificent. It's always way beyond our imagination. It's always way beyond whatever God has ever done in the past. It's always new, it's always glorious, and it's always calling us forward. Your old men, scripture says, after I pour out my spirit, they're going to dream dreams. Your old men will dream dreams. Not just flashing back. Sometimes as we grow older, our tendency is to flash back. And that's not the same thing. I put myself in this category as much as it hurts me. Honestly, I don't really mind the old and youth descriptions at church. It doesn't bother me until I am reminded that I am not young anymore. I'm very, very comfortable until I'm reminded that I'm not a part of the young crowd. And honestly, that's what goes on in the heart of every single one of us. No matter how old you are, you're still sitting there trying to figure out when it happened to you. Still trying to figure out when you crossed over. I was at a Kentucky Baptist Convention meeting. And they made an announcement about a, a, a young emerging leaders luncheon. And I thought, that's it. that sounds like something I want to go to. Young emerging leaders. And the guy making that said, we're going to meet for lunch in room such and such. And, and it's all about trying to get young leaders involved. I thought, yes, yes, that's exactly what we need. More young leaders like myself. That's what I'm thinking. 
going to meet in the lunchroom back there because honestly our convention is sort of controlled by older men. All of our committees have old men. I'm thinking, boy, you said it. Amen to that. Bunch of old fuddy-duddies on these committees. Put some young guys on. Yeah, yeah. And they said, because right now our committees are dominated by people over 40. Over 40. I wanted to stand up and say, come say that to my face. You just come say that to my face. All of a sudden, young emerging leaders wasn't such a good idea because it was all about getting fewer and fewer of people like me. Ooh, ooh, say that to my face. But do you understand? It's not about young and old. It's about the Spirit filling all of us equally, drawing all of us together to do His work. And that means old men, as we grow and as we age, we have to continue in the Spirit to dream dreams. You can't flash back. You can't just flash back. The old days were wonderful, wonderful. But you remember the line from the Janis Joplin song, Me and Bobby McGee? She said, I would trade all of my tomorrows for just one single yesterday. You can't do that. You can't trade all your tomorrows for one single yesterday. Yesterday's gone. You can't be the church of yesterday. That church is gone. It's the church of today. You've got to be a part. You've got to take your place in what the Spirit wants to do today. And there's one glorious hope, one glorious hope for the future, the Scripture says, for all of us together. It's the future. The Spirit is drawing us into the future. You've got to dream dreams for us, dream dreams with us of the future. You can't become captivated with the way things used to be. You have to be on the edge of your seat looking for the second coming of Jesus. You can't be waiting for the second coming of Vestal Goodman. She ain't coming back. Do you remember Vestal? I love Vestal. I think she's still alive. I saw her at Vanderbilt Hospital a couple of years ago. It was a glorious moment for me. Vestal Goodman was the queen when I was a kid. My parents used to drag me to gospel singings, and Vestal Goodman would step out. Her hairdo was as big as our church bus. And her voice was amazing. But she ain't coming back. Vestal had her day. There was that glorious moment in our lives when that music was wonderful. And I'm telling you, you can't wait for the second coming of the Seagull Brothers and Naomi. You can't wait for the second coming of Dottie Rambo. Those were wonderful days, but those days are, are gone. The Spirit is going to do something now in the present, in the church of today. And as wonderful as those days were, you've got to understand that the best days are still to come. The best days are still to come. You've got to be willing to dream dreams in the Spirit and know that your dreams are from the Spirit and then speak of those dreams and live your life to see those dreams come true. This is what the church of today is like, and this is exactly why there's so many older folks in the church because their job is to dream dreams not flashbacks dreams dreams older folks we need you to dream please dream for us dream with us you have seen so much you have a tremendous perspective a tremendous vantage point from which to see the world we need you to dream we need you to open your eyes and look forward with us because the church of yesterday is gone it no longer exists we have the church today one of the worst things that could happen is if older folks stop dreaming dreams. 
Another horrible thing that happens with the older folks is when they trade working together for retiring alone. Trade working together for retiring alone. There is no retirement plan in the body of Christ. Don't you understand that? You're not supposed to step aside and let the young people have it. No, I'm telling you, when God is ready for you to step aside down here, he will take you on up there. As long as you are here, you have a job to do. You must be useful. You must put your shoulder to the work. I understand that you can't do what you used to do. So your job is to find out what you can do now. You're important. You have gifts. You have wisdom. God is not finished with you. How dare you dream of retirement? We need you. Don't stop. Don't ever stop. Young folks need to learn how to work by watching you work and working beside you. And honestly, that's one of the most wonderful things our church has to offer. It's wonderful when our folks all gather together and work together. We have so much fun. I was on a mission trip uh, in, in Appalachia several years ago with young guys and old guys from our church. It was to this day one of the best times of my life. You don't understand how when you just get guys together, old or young, it doesn't matter. They just all become guys. Once the underwear is laying on the floor, you don't even know whose it is. Do you understand? We're just guys. One night, one of the last nights, one of the guys put a a candy bar and a Pringles can. I'm not going to explain the whole thing to you, but you can imagine put a candy bar and a Pringles can and hit it out the other guy's doors so they would open it and, and think what that might be. You understand? Who do you think put the candy bar in the Pringles can? Old guy, young guy? Old guy. Old guy. Yeah. Made him very cool in the young guy's mind, by the way. Did you understand? They had no idea that even though they're different on the outside, their hearts were very much the same. Good things happen. When old believers, young believers get to know each other, get to love each other, get to work together. But it can't happen if the old folks all pull out. It can't happen if the old folks decide that they've done enough, it's time to retire. I'm telling you, when God is finished with you, he'll take you on. In the meantime, you just keep right on at it. We need you. The worst thing that could happen is if all the older believers decided to retire alone when God has called us to work together. Work together. If older folks are not the church of yesterday, then guess what? The youth are not the church of tomorrow. The church of tomorrow does not exist yet. It's a ripoff when they tell you that. Do you not understand? There's only the church of today. Young people are a part of the church of today, and it's a wonderful thing. In the church of today, God has old people, and God has young people, and God loves it that way. Don't you understand that? It's a family. God loves it this way, and God wants us to learn to love it this way as well. Young people are a part of the church of today today and they need to be involved and they need to be trained and they need to have their hearts set on fire it's the church today the holy spirit is doing things today and he wants the young people to be a part of that you are not second class church members not second class citizens of the kingdom of god you are full-fledged members of the body of christ and nothing can stop us when the holy spirit empowers us and calls us to do his work it doesn't matter old or young and if you are young you are called to serve him today today. I love that a child played our call to worship. Owen should not have to wait till he's as old as Dawn to play the piano at church. You understand? He shouldn't have to wait till he's old as Dawn. I love you, Dawn. And I, I'm not older than you too. I think I'm older than you. I'm not older. Oh, I'm so glad. Good, good, good. 
Marilyn Hester, been playing the piano since she was seven, seven years old. Every now and then I say, Marilyn, you know that song? And she'll just say, I've been playing that since I was seven. (laughs) Not great, not great, but think about it. Think about it. Marilyn was seven. Thank God for the church that let her have the bench when she was seven because what a magnificent musician she is. Think about Margaret Ann, think about Dawn, and think about the lessons they took. Think about all the wonderful instrumentalists we have. Karen, think about Deborah Stokes. Think about those who've played and understand they didn't start yesterday, started early. Lots of times the church just gives the piano bench over to the girl who's taking piano lessons, a little boy, and they just let them play. And that's how it happens. That's how people grow to be servants of God. You don't wait. You can't wait. And if they tell you that you're the church of tomorrow, I'm telling you, they're trying to rip you off. There is no church tomorrow. It's the church today. It's the church today. The worst things that can happen for the youth in our church, I'll give you two. Number one, if the youth never learn to see visions. The scripture says your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And if our young people never learn to see visions, the church is finished. You not understand that? We're finished. Because it's the Holy Spirit who plants those dreams in the hearts of the old folks and the Holy Spirit who plants those visions in the minds of the young folks. And I'm telling you, those dreams and visions are the same. It's the same Spirit leading us into the same future. And it's a wonderful thing when the young folks are seeing visions and the old folks are dreaming dreams because that's what brings us together. That's exactly what brings us together. When we begin to argue over small things, over petty things, that's the devil driving a wedge in the body of Christ, robbing us of our future. It's the Spirit planting visions in the hearts of young people. And it's a tragedy if they never learn to dream dreams, if they never learn to see visions. We want to be a church where young people see visions from the Spirit, amazing visions. I promise you what the Spirit shows them will be things that they could not have seen on their own. The Spirit will show us things beyond imagination. The Spirit will plant seeds in us that we couldn't possibly make grow on our own. The Spirit is calling us forward into one glorious hope, one magnificent future. We want the young people to see visions. I'll tell you, it won't happen in a church where the old people don't dream dreams. You understand? It it goes together. You have to raise your children. We have to bring our teenagers up in a situation where dreaming dreams in the Spirit and seeing visions in the Spirit are everyday occurrences. This is what the church is supposed to be. And it needs to be every day. Our children need to see us stepping out, doing brave things, not just telling them about the revival of of, of 1937 that was so good. They want to see revival now. If you live through one, surely you could help us figure out how to, how, how to have that again. Do you see what I'm saying? Don't tell us about what used to be. Help us dream a dream for what can be yet. That's what the young people need. To grow in a situation where dreaming dreams and seeing visions is a part of everyday life in the Spirit. And there's nothing everyday about it. We want our young people to see visions. It's horrible to be in a situation in a church where young people see visions, but then they are squashed out by old people who've given up. I thank God that that does not happen in our church. It's never happened in our church. I pray to God it never does. 
But I'm telling you, often that's what happens. Young people have visions. Young people have ideas. And honestly, that's one thing about young people. They have lots of ideas. And I'll be real honest with you. Young people have so many ideas, but a whole lot of their ideas are dumb. Young people have dumb ideas. No offense, you guys. Not all of your ideas are dumb, but some of them are dumb. If we let the young people just have visions, you know, we'd end up with cup holders on the pews and stuff. We would have ushers passing out pizza or gum or something in church. I mean, they'd come up with ideas like that. We'd have, we'd have spinners on the church van, something like that. You know what I'm saying? Gosh, that's part of being young. You can, you can dream dreams. You can have ideas all day long. Young people are good at that, but a whole lot of their ideas are dumb. Because when I was young, most of my ideas were dumb. I had dumb ideas. Remember, I dropped candy out of an airplane on Bible school. It was dumb. That's why we need each other. Because the parents and grandparents, the older folks, you have wisdom and discernment. You should. So you should be here with us. And as we dream dreams and see visions together, you're able to say, you know what? I'm not thinking that that's so smart. And let me tell you why that's not a good idea. You see, we need your wisdom. Old people and young people, when they dream together, then you get the wisdom of the old and the courage and audacity of the young. And that's a wonderful combination. I want all of the fear, the healthy fear that the old folks have. And I want all the fun that the young folks have. And that's the church I want to live in. Do you understand? That's the church of the Holy Spirit. We need each other. Young people are going to see visions, and sometimes they're going to need the wisdom of the older folks to come back and say, I'm not sure that's so smart. But you've got to understand, not all their ideas are dumb. They may be different. They may not be the way you do it. And when they come up with a real idea, when they come up with a spiritual vision, you get behind them. You get with them. You fund it. You make it happen with them. It's one church, the church of today, and young people are not the church of tomorrow. There's no such thing. Church of today, and we're it together, all together. One more thing about the young people. The worst things that could happen if they learn never to see visions or if they drop out. I want you to listen to me. 80% of high school students who go to church say that they have no intentions of ever dropping out. 80% of church kids in high school say that they never ever see, them, see themselves dropping out of church. But listen to me. By the end of their freshman year in college, three quarters of them are gone. Three quarters of them are gone. That ought to bother you. I said last week that Christianity is always one generation away from extinction. You need to get very, very serious about the trends because honestly, Christianity in the United States is dying one generation at a time. We are not multiplying. We are not keeping up, and it ought to frighten you. Young people are dropping out at an alarming rate, and that is not okay. It is not okay. It might mean that we're not bothered with the young people wanting to do things differently. It might be that church becomes more comfortable for us as we age. But I'm telling you, this church that we make comfortable as we age will become our coffin. And the gospel of Christ, that the church of Christ could be extinct if we don't find a way to capture the young people with the life of the Spirit. They're dropping out at an alarming rate. I can't tell you statistics for all denominations or all churches, but I do know the statistics for the Southern Baptist Convention. 
At present, there are approximately 16 million Southern Baptists. That's amazing. 16 million Southern Baptists. Uh, Amazing. A big number. But we are declining. We are losing the youth. We're losing generations at a time, and we're declining. We're declining at such a rate that by the end of my son's lifetime, by the end of the next generation, we will have declined. If nothing changes, we will have gone from 16 million to 4 million. If we decline at the present rate, by the end of the next generation, we will be down to 4 million. By the end of the next generation, 1 million. And by the time my son sees his grandchildren, 250,000. I'm just saying, if we continue at the present rate of decline, by the time my son's a grandfather, churches like ours will have closed the doors. That's not okay. It's not okay that 20-somethings tend to evacuate our churches in large numbers. That is not okay. It really ought to bother you. And not only if you're the parent of a 20-year-old, it really ought to bother you. It really needs to bother you. Because we need young people seeing visions. We need young people because they are full members of the body of Christ. And if we don't have them, the body of Christ is crippled. If we don't have them pushing us into the future, we have a tendency to flash back into the past. And I'm telling you, there is no way for the church to live in the past. We die that way. We die that way. Interview the 19, 17, 18-year-olds who drop out of the church. You know what they tell you? Why they left? Typically, they'll say something like, the church just was not essential to my life. You see, the church for them is presented as an option among others. And, and in that, that time of their life, 17, 18, 19, they go off to college. They're seeing so much of the world. They simply decide that church is not that important. It's not essential. And they stop going. They just drop out because it's never been made important in their lives. They say church is not essential in my life. But the other thing they're saying was that I have never felt essential in the church. Ask them. They'll tell you that. I never felt essential in the church. One young man who dropped out said this. He said, I just didn't want to wait around to serve. Isn't that interesting? Didn't drop out because he didn't believe in Jesus. Didn't drop out because he didn't want to go to church. He just dropped out because he had never been made to feel essential in the church. He had never been made to feel important. Never been told that the church was hungry for the vision he could dream. Never ever that the church was desiring the gifts that he could offer. I just didn't want to wait around to serve. Worst thing that could happen for young people in our church is that they drop out. If you ask the kids in our midst, if if they plan to, they'd say, no, no, we never plan to. But you've seen it happen. You've seen it happen. As a church, we've got to make sure it doesn't happen. We've got to make sure that young and old together come together and know that we need each other, even though we creep each other out. We've got to know that though we don't always understand each other, and though sometimes we seem to be in different worlds speaking a different language, we have the one blood of Christ coursing through our veins that makes us one. And you need me so desperately, and I need you so desperately, and you need the folks older than you, and you older folks, you need the younger folks. We are the church together. It's the only church there is, the church of today. 
you're trying to be a part of the church of yesterday, I, I must tell you, that church is gone. You need to be a part of the church that the Spirit is building and using today. You're so desperately needed in the church today. And if you're thinking that you'll wait, you'll serve later, you'll be a part of the church tomorrow, I'm telling you, they're ripping you off. There is no church tomorrow. We need you in the church today. We need your vision. We need your gifts. We need your enthusiasm. We need your fun. We need everything that God has placed in you. Everything. Is it even possible? Majority of church conflicts, 10% doctrinal, 90% generational. It's even possible that the devil could use that oldest trick in the book, the generation gap, turning children, parents against one another. We must never let that happen because we are one in Christ Jesus. There is only one God, one faith, one baptism, one Lord, only one glorious hope of the future, one, and one church the church of today, and all of us together, we are it. We are it. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, fall fresh upon us today in this moment. I pray, Lord, that right now, even as I speak, there will be older folks in this congregation whose hearts absolutely set on fire. Lord, set them on fire. Lord, they have lived through revivals of the past. They've seen glorious moments in church. But, Lord, I pray that you would make them so hungry to see a day like that again, a revival like that again in our day today. Lord, set their hearts on fire. Lord, I pray that you would begin to help them to dream dreams, amazing dreams, crazy dreams, dreams from the Spirit. Oh, God, stir our old men, our old women to dream dreams. I pray for our children, for our youth, for our young folks. Oh, God, let them receive visions, even today, even now, a vision for their life, a vision for the church, a vision for the world, one by the gospel. Lord Jesus, help them to understand that they're necessary today. We need them today. There are contributions for them to make today. There is no church of tomorrow. There's only the church of this present moment, only this moment to receive a vision from the Spirit, only this moment to obey. Oh God, let us never look past one another. Let us never look down on one another. Let us only look to you, oh Christ, and allow you to make us one, one church for your glory. We pray in your holy name. Amen. I hope I've not.